Yeah. You mentioned uh, uh, women refugees in Lebanon. Do, do you have an idea about the struggle of women refugees' health in Lebanon and how much they get access? What's the situation of women refugees' health? So I know more about women refugees' health in regards to their reproductive and sexual health. Um, so I'll tell you a bit about this. I know we know on the UNHCR cover uh, 75% of most uh, of deliveries. Um, straight up, just deliveries. Just at this deliveries. Point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there is family planning and stuff like this that they would help with um, with the small NGOs, local NGOs to support them in this. But they cover 75% of a range of things. Deliveries is definitely one of them. Um, we know, though, that some women who have gone to hospitals that are not contracted by UNHCR, they still have to pay the whole bill themselves, which is ridiculous because when you're in labor and hospitals tell you you're not allowed to deliver there for ridiculous reasons that are usually masking, very racist reasons, um, that you have to go to anywhere that opens a door to you. And women are having a very difficult time delivering in Lebanon. Most women that we speak to are trying to go back to Syria to deliver, to come back. Oh, and wow. it's really hard that there are some women that basically have... Um, have had two deliveries since they've been seeking refuge in, in Lebanon, and both deliveries were done in Syria. And so you come in, you get pregnant, you leave, you deliver, you come back. Um, and mostly it's because you don't want to hear um, insulting, derogatory comments while you deliver. A lot of women talk about how they are left uh, in the delivery ward for just hours without anybody coming to listen to them uh, to find that they've delivered themselves and that uh, somebody just has to kind of pick up from there. And there's and there's a range of other things that happens where people where where women have uh, Syrian women have said that doctors have asked them oh or nurses have told them what's your uh, how could you get pregnant again don't you know your country's in a shit situation we don't want more Syrians in the country so very very abusive and this and it's uh, and so they'd prefer to go home where they know but for but. But they fled home because there's war there. Yeah. And the idea to go back and give they, birth, yeah, to they, give life. Women war. say that they don't care. They will go under like uh, missiles and you know bombings and they will, they will at least try to do this in some peace, which is war is more peaceful than peaceful, quote-unquote, Beirut at this point. Um, and I'm speaking mostly about Beirut, although we definitely talk to a lot of women from the north and also from um, Alay district as well. Okay. But then here's, the, here's, the, here's what the issue is, though, that some women now, they want to go back to deliver in Syria. And this has been documented also by MSF for sure. There are many articles about how women are going back to Syria to deliver as well. And how women here have also been um, subjected to unnecessary C-sections. And there is a study that came out just actually a year ago about how 35% of all women who are delivering and Syrian women who are delivering in Lebanon are delivering by C-section, which is 20% more than the acceptable WHO rate. And it seems to be that most women are saying that their opinion during delivery, nobody cares, that they don't want to deliver by C-section. Some of them are being forced into it. Some of them are not even being asked whether they want to or not. Um, we know that C-section rates are very high already in Lebanon, that doctors as well within the patriarchy of medicine. Why is that happening? Though? Because they don't want to wait on a woman who delivers. They just want to do it faster. You so know, it's they, from a commercial I don't know, man. Maybe they're going to Mandaloon after to party up and they just want to like get it over with before. But um, a lot of them are being scheduled. So everybody wants it scheduled. And uh, doctors definitely want it scheduled. And so it's very difficult for women to negotiate that sometimes. But see, Lebanese women definitely find it hard to negotiate sometimes. But imagine if a Lebanese woman finds it hard, how much harder? a Syrian woman would find it, especially when a hospital and the physician that's attending knows that 75% of the bill is covered. 
So usually Syrian women can't get into the hospital. But once they're in, they already know that UNHCR is going to cover 20, uh, 75%. Okay. And if, they're, if they've been seeing MSF, then it could be covered 100%, actually. What we notice is that there's a lot of funding coming to international NGOs in Lebanon mm. uh, to work with refugees. But the issue of women's health takes very little attention and funding. Again, you don't see it in the, in the programs. Yet, it's, it's an urgent issue. It's most needed uh, There's about 1.4 million Syrians in Lebanon. Uh, and and why, do you, why do you think is that? Why there's no attention or enough attention on women's health? Refugee women have the most uh, deprived, or let's say marginalized uh, aspect of the Lebanese population. Yeah, I think, it's, I think there is a lot of attention actually at Syrian women. I th- I'm not sure how much of that attention is useful for okay. with Syrian women is the question. Okay. I think that uh, a lot of NGOs, international NGOs actually put a lot of money into talking about Syrian women for Syrian women but not really, I don't know if they really capture the, the picture exactly um, mostly because they're seen very much through a very cold set of indicators that some funder has basically put in advance before even talking to somebody so if we want to talk indicators, you have to ask the person what the indicators to their quality of life mm-hmm. are, right? Mm-hmm. What are my indicators? But what happens is that before you come in, there's a list of very standardized indicators mm-hmm. that were not even really set when people were, like when they were here even, maybe it was set from before. So when you basically are just looking for sexual gender-based violence, right? You're, you're looking for it. You're not looking for anything else at this point. You're saying, has your husband become more violent since the war? Ah, oh, most men have become more... Uh, Uh, aggressive towards their wives, also kind of portraying a very backwards image of the Syrian man who's coming in, like, which, uh, I mean, when it's kind of juxtaposed to Lebanese men as, you know, of, of, of well upbringing and stuff like this. It's really, I don't know people how they promote these uh, images and these ideas and this research without really understanding that the context is already uh, really biased against mm-hmm. um, Syrians, women and men mm-hmm. at this point. So is there work that's happening with Syrian women? Yes, of course there is. But most of the time, uh, I mean, and you can you can read, there's a nice article that Mariana Tabar wrote, um, and she's a Syrian researcher, and she's uh, she wrote a piece called uh, which is really nice. nice. So, who are you to, uh, you know, to plan our families? And she talks nice. a lot, and she had a good talk actually once, and she talked about how Some of these women, they come to Syrian women in, you know, in remote uh, areas in Lebanon. They go to these talks on maybe reproductive health awareness. And they just go for freebies because they know that people who are talking to them have no genuine interest in what they're saying. That, they, it, that most of it is a very much a population control agenda. So if you think about the services available, yeah, there are subsidized uh, uh, services for family planning and contraception and um, delivery. If you must get pregnant, then okay, we will help you pay for it, but nothing on abortion, nothing on infertility. So many Syrian women are saying, I want to have a child. I haven't had yet had a child. But that is seen as a big, excuse me, that's not our problem right now. Our problem now is to minimize how many people there are. There it's is, so condescending, actually. It is, really, because you're only interested in one aspect of their health and it's got nothing to do with what they want. It's got everything to do with what you want for them in this country while they are here. It's quite awful, actually. So, I'm, I'm bringing this down, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is a bit of a downer. <laughs> no, no, I mean, we ha- we, it's, it's a grim reality, and we have to put it out there. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to uh, explore with you as well that the women's health movement inside Palestinian camps, because I know Palestinian women, uh, because they have been in refuge for, for a longer time, 
than Assyrian women. I briefly know that they have set up a sort of network between them, an organic network between women in the camp. Can you touch on that? Do you, do you know about I know a little bit about it. I can't say I'm, I'm, I know that much. I know from Syrian women that they know a lot of Palestinian women who would help them out through deliveries. Still taking money, um, still expensive, okay. but less expensive than going to, obviously, a private hospital. Of um, I, I mean, it would be more expensive than getting it for free with UNHCR and MSF, for example, covering the entire bill. But sometimes women don't want to be treated as just somebody in a number. You want somebody to come yes. and take care of you, just you. And, you know, you say, I'm going to pay this 100000 and I'm going to have somebody actually look out for me because my family is not here, because my mother is in Syria, because my sister is not here. And these are, you know, and for a lot of, I think, Syrian women, um, the first thing that I've heard is that they're really shocked at the medical uh, field in Lebanon. They, it's uh, so expensive, it's so elitist. Um, it's that dehumanizing as well towards for, them. For them specifically, yes, yeah, yeah. a lot. And what's happened is that in Syria, with all the problems that we know are there with uh, the government and the regime, health was available. That's, mm. that's, a, that's, that's a basic. Mm. So they say, okay, maybe shit was shit, but... We had health. Some, yeah, we exactly. could all get health. Access, we could, we could get, yeah, yeah. You know, I could put my kids in school. Yeah. You know, stuff like this, right? And now they're here and they're like, okay, I don't know how you guys have been living in this shit. And it's really quite ironic because Lebanese women are probably looking at them saying, I don't know how you guys live in this shit. And they're like, no, our shit was kind of good. And actually, this capitalist uh, medical field where, uh, you know, you're told how to deliver and who to deliver by and in what positions you should have to sit in because this is what all civilized people delivering do to them is quite ridiculous honestly so i mean not to say that obviously women don't deliver in hospitals and 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 what else in syria but most of the women who uh, who i meet through at least work are women who lived in rural parts of um, syria and most of them were saying you know it's not so impossible to just get somebody to take care of you solely and now here with international funding obviously they don't have what is, um, it's not even a privilege. You're supposed to be able to have Access. somebody by your side when you're delivering, you know? Of course. And so you don't want to feel like... Uh, you Alienated know, and, by yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally. So, so, yeah, so definitely there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of uh, help from uh, Palestinian uh, women also in the camps, but also there's a lot of tension between Palestinian and Syrian women, and most of the anger is misdirected at each other when it should be obviously about the government that creates the these, that allows a, a, a camp to to be flooded with so many people and such little resources and to for to let everybody fight amongst themselves for water and bread which is and so they end up fighting amongst themselves no i was here first no i was there first there's also responsibility on Enerwa in the camps which seems to be lacking massively on on healthcare especially women health yeah uh is, is gradually deteriorating and there's less services that Enerwa provides yeah um i, I want to uh, i know this is an abstract question but I want to ask you, uh, in, in terms of women health and women health movement in Lebanon uh, for refugees and Lebanese women, what, what do you think, in your opinion, that should be done at the moment in such urgent situation? Hmm. And, well, and I know you don't have like perfect solutions to that, yeah, but obviously. from your experience, <laughs> uh, I'm sure you, you can like have some advice or yeah, I mean, the the way that I, I guess I see it is that it's a completely different reality for refugees and for Lebanese women. But um, I think that there is, a, there is 
it definitely there's a common enemy for both while it is very difficult and, and the realities are incredibly different and really the access is I mean I can't even start to describe how different your life could be obviously if you're a Syrian refugee in Lebanon or if you're a Lebanese woman of means um, but but to both of them what I guess is not very maybe clear is what is clear when you talk to them right away is that they view the medical system as a very patriarchal a very condescending and a very sexist one from the basics of of asking, asking a woman to bring her husband along for a reproductive uh, health issue that she went for a, uh, uh, she went for a visit for her own body to be asked to bring basically her um, whoever is uh, keeping her at that point, you know, or her uh, father or her uncle or her husband is ridiculous, right? Even even in situations where things are also, let's say, legally restricted. So specifically, if we want to talk about abortions, right, it's already restricted and illegal. So if somebody's providing that service, it's a little bit ridiculous that they still want her keeper, her, her man, to come. And so it's because there's an unsaid patriarchal rule that has nothing to do with the law at this point. It's got, it's patriarchal law, so it's not, but it's not the law that we know. So, and there are so many other things from putting, um, maybe, uh, like, to doing a pelvic exam that really hurts, and being told that that's ridiculous, or having really bad menstrual cramps, and being told that you're being too weak, from people who don't know what it means to deliver, or to or to have a menstrual, or, or to have a period, or to abort. So, it's a little bit ridiculous that they should be writing the rules on how we are to treat our bodies. So I guess if there's something to say, I would say to, to view this, to really, to really critically look at this field and to see how a lot of it is exploitative of women, that it takes money from women for things that they could have basically figured out themselves and with each other by setting up a popular health movement uh, to being able to discuss health with each other, to create referrals amongst each other, to talking about the ways that we know that we have healed ourselves and to maybe having some allies from the medical field, nurses, midwives, but you know, but not necessarily having to go up against this patriarchal medical monster. Mm. But I guess in the end, we have to crush patriarchy. We have to crush capitalism. <laughs> it would be like nice. We're so restricted Some without racism this. and you know border control. Yeah, let's take them all out. <laughs> Azim, that was that was really nice and informative. Uh, would you like to add anything else? Uh, no. Like uh, <laughs> advice to women uh, or like to people who are doing research? Do you think there's a lack of research on women's health? I, I don't think there's a lack of research on women's health. I think women are always seen as the free bodies that are available to research or to over-research or to mm. medicalize or to mm. do like interviews with or to take photos without getting the permission of them because they won't hurt you, they won't get all riled up on you. So I think women are, most of the time, I mean, most of money goes to like, uh, you know, help women, help women, invest in women, which, I mean, women never see the product of that money really or the usefulness of, of it. But if I guess I were to say something, something I would say it would be nice to start a discussion around um, around uh, reproductive um, rights and sexual Absolutely. rights together and um, and I guess what I would say to women is that um, I mean you know as hard as it is because we all have patriarchy and racism and all of these nasty things within us that I guess to be to think twice when we're bashing other women about their reproductive course, choices because that's always the hardest one when you see one woman say oh I can't believe she's got nine kids what an idiot and you know that there's 
like maybe violence or that she can't really get her time to even take care of her own health because, you know, so many kids to take care of or jobs or, you know, even just like roles or gender roles to fulfill for herself and maybe other families at the same time. I mean, I just, I guess it would be nice to see less of that, but maybe I'm, it's just, and I, if since you asked me to ask whatever I want and I can be idealistic, we have to start it would somewhere. be nice. No, we have to start somewhere. Uh, that would well. be nice. That would be nice. That would be nice. This is, uh, this is awesome. Thank you very much. Don't ask me. Our guest on status. Stay tuned with us for another episode. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Yeah. Speakers bump light as a rock pumps the rhythm of my next double dutch jump what you want at once Pacola breed lover we dreamed of ourselves new win Latifah showed us what a queen was went from invisible to scene on the smooth tip sweet tea to follow Moni in the middle on the scene saw them saw myself out rock mics when I'm older picked up the pen and like internet this is for Latifah for light for Shantae Bahamadia Laura Hill Heather B for Jean Grey EVE Nikki D salt and pepper even me a Pony B for Missy for Kim and Fox this is for Rod Digger Rage left eye for Yo Yo Prola Perry Nonchalant the Brat for Jane Doe Rage Mystic Ross Rocky D for those never seen on the search for female MCs the microphone fiends stomped in the 90s after school you could find me in the backyard begging for a beatbox rhyme you and I T.Y. and Heather B Blues framing news of the devil Phyllis Hyman I rap to keep from crying taking mine now I'm the boss recipe for a show they say no girls in the cypher so I rock solo living on the black street Ill Nana get me home though I rap along to every song it ain't no playing with my yo-yo check how I hit every note though even sung along the patois like in the joint she did with Patra I'm on a romantic column blank page calling I feel the size of crowd yes you're nonchalantly in the trance at five o'clock in the morning sporting the Kim Hardcore wig then came Lauren she showed me the beauty in the natural cut amplify my rage growing out my afro this is for Latifah for light for Shantae Bahamadia Laura Hill Heather B for Jean Grey EVE Nikki D salt and pepper even me a Pony B for Missy for Kim and Fox this is for Rod Digger Rage left eye for Yo Yo Prola Perry Nonchalant the Brat for Jane Doe Rage Mystic Boss Rocky D for those never seen on the search for female MCs the microphone theme millennium came of age while things stayed the same media forms changed new names from what what to Jean Grey we bootleg the bootleg Facebook on MySpace put away cassette VHS tapes and vinyl crates fast forward album release dates I powerize what we buy how we objectify in these days tell me what's the plight of a female MC's fate or what's the worth of a woman's story to a DJ uh, downloading every one and none my hero seemingly gone searching found Laura Hill unplugged guess I lost one some come and go self-labeled bitch and whole inherited a discourse I turn off the radio I can't relate nor can I hate for the ways we negotiate the sexist spaces that we navigate I stay repping Haunted by the ghost of hip-hop's crescent, it seems Fantasy is what people want, reality is what they need This is for Latifah, for Light, for Shantae Bahamadia, Laura Hill, Heather B For Jean Grey, EVE, Nikki D Salt and Pepper, even me A Pony B for Missy, for Kim and Foxy This is for Rod Digger, Rage, Left Eye for Yo-Yo Prola Perry, Nonchalant, The Brat for Jane Doe Rage, Mystic Boss, Rocky D For those never seen on the search for female MCs The microphone fiends, the world is listening